Well, I don't think he was a clap. All right, hello guys, and welcome to the fourth and final episode of Soul Revival Digital for this weekend. We have had a rip roaring time and a rip roaring success across this weekend, and it is going to be made right or right better, better, right, right, better, much better uh, tonight. (laughs) Heaps um, good. Yes, this is going to be really cool. Thank you for um, introducing yourself before I did, Fee, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really cool to have you as one of our attendees from Soul Revolver at Cronulla, Fiona Francisconi. How are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Joel. That's excellent. Thank you for coming along and joining us here. My pleasure. Now, you are going to read the Bible for us in a moment, but I, I w- should just let everyone know that when... Uh, if you haven't seen the other episodes, let me really encourage you to do so. You need to point the camera at me there, Brayden, just to make sure. You <laughs> Here we am. Hello. Yes, guys, make sure you have watched every single episode prior to this. It's really important. The reason is because we have been studying the four uh, chapters of Jonah. Now, the reason we're doing that is because we were meant to be doing Jonah for the kids program at Week Away, and that was unfortunately cancelled. Um, you can catch up with those on YouTube or on the podcast. Um, but unfortunately, we are we are locked down. We actually have to wear masks even when we're not even talking into the microphone. So that's why you'll see some of us wearing masks at this point in time. Um, but it's actually really cool that our Soul Revival Kids leaders are leading us in um, the experience of Jonah, and we're really excited to be able to bring that to everyone in the church. Um, and that's also why we have Stu with us. Mm. How are you Hi going? Joel. I'm very well, thank you. Uh, you're up to Chapter 4, your fourth talk of this weekend, been yes. working very hard on it. How's no, it going? It's good. It's a lot of fun. We're up to Jonah 4. Jonah 4, and uh, you were talking about Jonah 3 in the last episode yep. where the Ninevites were given a second chance, but yes. now Jonah is angry. <laughs> he's angry at God and he's angry at a plant. Yes, yes. <laughs> we're going to deal with that today. We're going to have a look at uh, getting angry as a normal part of the Christian experience, and uh, we're going to be reminded that God does get angry at sin, but we have to be really careful as human beings when we get angry because the Bible gives us lots of warnings that, unlike God, we are quick to anger and in our anger, we want not to sin. So that's going to be hopefully really practical and really helpful for us because this uh, prophet Jonah is almost like an antitype to Jesus who we follow, who is a good prophet who, yes, Jesus gets angry, but he gets angry appropriately because he is God. And when he gets angry, he he is angry at sin and injustice and he brings the answer to that. And so today we're going to finish off with the hope that we have in Jesus and how that can create a new life for us to live. Yeah, cool. I'm really looking forward to that. But before we do that, we're going to hear from Jonah. And Fee, you are going to read it for us. So please take it away. And then Stu, take it away after that. Perfect. Thanks, guys. All right, so this is Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. 
But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Well, welcome to the fourth talk in Jonah. In chapter four, we see the conclusion of the story and we are left with a very interesting and nagging question. What is Jonah's final reaction going to be? And that reminds us that we need to consider our own reaction to God's grace and mercy to ourselves and to others as well. So let's have a look at uh, chapter four. Before we do, uh, I wanted to just say that the really interesting part of this story for me is I just love this funny uh, plant that emerges in this story. It's almost so significant. It's almost like another character in the story. <laughs> this plant pops up over Jonah and then it dies. It's got me thinking actually about gardening. And before we jump into this story, I have a little quote from you for you from the Roman philosopher Cicero, Cicero <laughs> uh, who has something to say about gardening, which may or may not surprise you. Anyway, Cicero says that if you have a garden and a library, you have everything you need. That's interesting. That's probably one of the reasons why I find myself being so uh, content so often in my life because um, I'm very blessed to have a really good gardener in my family. My wife is a wonderful gardener and I really love the garden that my wife Lou has made for our family at our place. Uh, she plants a lot of Australian plants which are really lovely and they offer a lot of shade for us in the heat of the summer and they provide a lot of bounty for all the native birds that come and eat from them. And... Um, Lou plants uh, plants that are often doing more than one thing at once. Like I said, they're often offering shade and offering things to uh, animals as well, like uh, birds. The thing about plants, though, is sometimes they have attributes that we like. Sometimes they have attributes that we don't like. And another quote from another famous person, which you may have heard of, his name is Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln said this about gardening. He said, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns or we can rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. I think that's a really interesting segue into our talk tonight because here we have the great gardener God creating this plant over his prophet Jonah and the question is, is he going to complain about the plant or is he going to actually enjoy it? The thing about this plant is it doesn't last forever. It actually dies because not only does God send a plant, but he sends a worm. And so what we're going to see in a little while is that this plant is actually a living parable to help teach the prophet his final lesson. And this final lesson is left hanging and we don't know how he takes this final teaching from God. And we're left with this really interesting dynamic at the end of the, the, the uh, book of what are we going to do with this parable? How are we going to respond to it? Well, let's uh, jump in. The book of Jonah, we've covered uh, three chapters already, and we've talked about the fact that the structure of Jonah is that chapter one and chapter three deal with Jonah interacting with non-Israelite people. Uh, first of all, Jonah runs away from God after God tells him to go to Nineveh and tell the people of Nineveh that they need to repent of their sin, which is great. But instead of doing what God asks, Jonah goes the opposite direction and he goes to Tarshish. On his way to Tarshish in a boat, a storm comes and the, the solution to this storm is Jonah really needs to have a good think about his relationship with God who he's running away from. The sailors on the ship actually have a better attitude to God than uh than Jonah do and they respond in faith when Jonah actually responds in selfishness. The outcome is that Jonah would rather die than actually act in faithfulness to God and the sailors throw him over the side of the boat and he goes to what he thinks is his death but miraculously God sends a whale or a fish to take Jonah and save his life rather than kill him. So it's a really lovely uh, story of um, death and resurrection motive, motif there that's going on in chapter 2. Uh, in Sorry, in chapter 1. In chapter 2, we get Jonah's prayer in the belly of the whale where he finally does repent. God gives him a second chance and in verse 10, he's vomited up on a beach and he gets an opportunity to go to the second group of non-Israelites, which is the Ninevites themselves. He finally gets with the picture and does what God says and he goes to the Ninevites. 
he does this sort of half-hearted prophecy, says that they're going to be overturned because of their wickedness. And to his surprise, well, not really surprised because he knew that God is amazingly powerful, uh, the people of Nineveh actually repent. And Jonah is left with, how am I going to respond to this in chapter 4? So we're looking at Jonah's second prayer and the second time he comes to God to talk to him about how he feels. Remember the first time that he prays to God is repentance. What's he going to do this time? Is he going to repent of his selfishness because he's angry that God has forgiven the Ninevites or is he actually going to delight in the fact that God is so powerful that God's Holy Spirit can convict a whole city to repent? Well, before we get to that story of how he uh, reacts to it, let's remember the main character in this story is God himself. And what is the theme that's running through the book of Jonah is that God is a God of steadfast love. The word hesed is used two times in the book of Jonah, as we've already talked about in chapter 2 and in chapter 4, when God is referred to as a God of love, steadfast love. But let's just remember something that puts that even into context. This is not the first time that God has presented himself in the Bible as a God of steadfast love. The first time that Moses, the first prophet of God, comes in contact with God, God reveals himself at the miracle of the burning bush as Hesed. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, we read this. And God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And that is the Lord, the Lord, the Hesed, the God who is of steadfast love. Now this translation has unpacked that steadfast love for us quite helpfully, but this story about how Moses is, is introduced to the God of steadfast love must have been known by Jonah. So Jonah knows that God is a God of steadfast love, and yet in chapter 1 he willfully runs away from the God of steadfast love. Why would you run away from steadfast love? Wouldn't you run towards steadfast love? Well, God, uh, God is good, but Jonah has forgotten that God is good or he is knowing that God is so good that God is actually going to forgive these very evil people uh, if they repent, which Jonah is not able to do. Jonah is not able to forgive that much. So the reason that Jonah is not able to forgive that much is because he's angry. Let's have a look at chapter 4, verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, the fact that God had forgiven the, the Ninevites and he became angry. So his second prayer is a prayer of anger towards God. Let's pick it up in verse 2 and 3. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That th That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. And this is amazing. He knows God is a God of steadfast love. He knows if God calls him to go to Nineveh to re rebuke them and get them to repent, they'll, re they'll probably repent because of God's amazing power. And so he tries to, look at that word there, he tries to forestall the purposes of God. That means he tries to stop the purposes of God by fleeing to Tarshish. That's why when the sailors say, why, why is this storm happening to us on the boat? And they realize that it's Jonah, that Jonah says, throw me in the water. It's not to save the sailors from the storm. It's so that he might die, so that he can forestall God's plan in his gracious and compassionate character, which is again there in the verse, in verse 2. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. In other words, you are hesed. You are going to be amazing. You are slow to anger and abounding in love. Now, hesed, steadfast love, is defined for us there. The, the definition of hesed is slow to anger and abounding in love. And what makes Jonah different to God is that, yes, he is angry at the sin of the Ninevites, but he is not abounding in love. God is angry at the sin of the Ninevites. And as we said in the last talk, he sees their sin and he's angry at that. That's what we saw in chapter 3, verse 1. But now what we see is that God, who is slow to anger and abounding in love, is the God of second chances. That also is a definition of hesed. A God who relents from sending calamity, which is the last part of the sentence there. In verse 3, this is what goes on to transpire. Now, Lord... Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> Here he goes again. Jonah is, is uh, trying to forestall the purposes of God by dying. And now he's saying, because it's all taken place, just 
I want to die, Lord. I, I don't want to live in this new reality where you forgive the people of Nineveh. Nineveh. It's very dramatic. And it shows his, his motivation in chapter 2, wanting to die was exactly what we've talked about there. So Jonah is angry, but that's not the end of it. Jonah's angry three, at three things in this passage. He's angry that the Ninevites have been forgiven in verse 3. He's also angry when sitting outside the city, look, sitting on a hill looking to see what's going to happen to Nineveh, he's angry that he's sitting there in the sun and that the Ninevites have uh, been forgiven. And there he is sort of sulking on the side of a hill, but getting sunburnt, sweltering in the heat. Uh, and God sends a plant and a, or grows a plant. God, the gardener, the great gardener God, can just bring a plant out of nowhere and this plant grows up over the top of him, a vine that gives him shade, which to start off with he's really happy about. But the anger part in verse 8 is that in verse 8, when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so he grew faint and he wanted to die again. It wouldn't be better for me to. It would be better for me to die than to live. And again, there he goes again, wanting to die again. This is Jonah. He just he just keeps going there. He's very extreme with what he's feeling here. And when God sends a worm to kill the plant, and then he's sitting in the sun again, not in the shade, he gets he gets angry at the plant. And so this angry prophet is still someone that God is willing to deal with. And so in verse nine, we see these words. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. Now, I think this story is meant to show us that as Christians and as people of God before uh, the birth of Christ, this was true for the, the, the Jewish people too. But as Christians, we should be very careful in our anger. See, Jonah is so self-righteous in his anger. He's quick to be angry and he's slow to forgive. He doesn't understand said, And so we need to be careful. Now, let's just unpack anger a little bit as the Bible teaches it because this is not saying that we too should never be angry at wrong things. There is a thing called righteous anger. And it's right, the Bible says, to be righteously anger, to be righteously angry at injustice and corruption and oppression. So... Basically, the story of Jonah is teaching us that it's right for Jonah to be angry at the sin of Nineveh and the oppression and injustice of the people of Nineveh. But it's not right for Jonah to be angry at God because he chooses to forgive Nineveh. And so the Bible says, be very careful that in your anger, even if it's a righteous anger, that you do not sin. In fact, in Psalm 7.11, we read this, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. So even God gets angry at sin. And so that is right for us to join him in that anger at sin. However, in James chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, we read this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. See, in his anger, God is slow to anger, but he is also hesed. He is steadfast in love. And our danger is that we might remain in anger and then sin in our anger. Now, I have three favorite proverbs about anger, and I'm going to read those three really quickly just to illustrate what I mean by that. Proverbs 29 verse 11, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Psalm 15 verse 1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And finally, Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So you can see a theme there that human anger, even if initially it's well-directed, can actually turn to sinful action. And so we need to be reminding ourselves today that we need to be not like Jonah and get angry at God and angry at others in sin. If we are going to be angry, we need to trust in the Lordship of Christ and work with him as he brings peace, which we'll talk about in just a sec. But the problem for Jonah is not that he was angry at the Assyrians, but he was angry at not wanting God to forgive them because he didn't want to forgive. Let's have a look at Jonah 4 verse 4. Again, let's look at the Lord's reply. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? What a great question. 
God says to Jonah, yes, I'm angry at their sin and I have forgiven them, but is it right for you to be angry? You are not God. And so is your anger in this case misrepresented? Is it misplaced? Jonah sits under the vine and he actually doesn't answer that question. Verse 6, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and gave shade for his head, as we've already said, to ease his discomfort. Jonah's happy about God providing for him in verse 6. But then in the dawn, in verse 7 and 8, when the plant dies, he gets angry again really quickly. So here's this um, strange response. He's experienced the providence of God and the steadfast love to him. Despite his anger, God has loved him again. Not only has he got a second chance, as here he's given Jonah a third chance. But at the dawn of the next day, God provided a worm which chewed up the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind which blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die and he said, I'd rather be dead. Now, what's interesting here, we've already read that. What's interesting here is we have God, who is the great gardener, who's produced this plant. But my question is, is God gardening the plant that then dies with the worm or is God gardening Jonah's heart? God is the great gardener and he gardens our very hearts. He can actually not only produce a garden that is beautiful and bountiful and produces fruit for birds and shade for people, but he can actually build a heart within a human being that produces fruit and gives shade to those who need it. Have a look at what the Lord says in verse 10 and 11. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprung up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also for many animals? So here is an example of how God is gardening Jonah's heart. He's grown this plant up as a living parable. Just like this plant has come and gone, you're more worried about a plant than you are 120,000 people and all their animals. Jonah, you should repent at this again. You should turn from your sin and trust that the righteous God of the universe will bring justice and you need to trust him in that and that he's good all the time. And what we're meant to do is that we're meant to understand ourselves at this point too and ask ourselves the question, are we willing to trust in God as the good God? This reminds me of a story of Jesus. In Mark 11, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem the day after he's been in the city and he's driven out all the people in the temple who were ripping people off and selling things at bad cost and all this and making the Lord's house into a den of robbers. Jesus goes in there, upturns all the tables and he drives them out with a whip. He goes back to Bethany after he's done that. He was angry at sin and he goes back to Bethany and the next day he comes back on his way to Bethany and on the way, from, sorry, back to Jerusalem, on his way back in Mark 11, he comes past a fig tree that is in full leaf and looks healthy and at the right time of year to have fruit, but it bears no fruit. So Jesus curses the fig tree and it dies. Now when Jesus curses the fig tree and it dies, the disciples are shocked and they said, what, what's with this? And Jesus says, this basically... Uh, paraphrasing Jesus says this is a living parable for you don't be like a tree that looks like it should be bearing fruit but it doesn't bear fruit just like Jonah is a prophet who should have borne fruit for God and should have actually trusted in God's decisions as his prophet he's trying to forestall God's plans he's trying to supplant God and actually tell God how things should be and the danger for us is that just as unfruitful as Jonah was being God's encouraging us not to be like that too. Interestingly, in that story, at the end of that story in Mark 11, Jesus says this interesting thing. He says, see that you know, they're on their way down to Jerusalem, they're on a path, the tree's there on the right down on the, in the valley, they can see across a valley to another mountain, which is Jerusalem, and on there is the temple where Jesus had judged it the day before with the, the sellers and stuff. And Jesus looks over there at the temple and he says, you know, if you have faith... One day, that mountain will be thrown into the sea. However, if you stand here in judgment on those people because they are actually sinful people, but you don't search your own heart and ask yourself, are you willing to forgive? You will actually be destroyed in the same way because if you're forgiven much, you need to forgive as well. Interestingly, Jesus is saying to his disciples, be careful that you don't, 
replace, you don't repeat the sin of Jonah. That you make sure that you are willing to take the leadership from the Lord God and trust that he is good. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. God will bring justice, and we as his disciples, his children, we need to partner with him as he brings justice. If we see injustice, we need to highlight it, just as Jonah highlighted the sin and the injustice of the Assyrians. And if you are suffering under injustice or in any kind of uh, relationship that might be uh, not healthy for you, you need to get help because it's not right for you to stay in that relationship. But what we also need to remember that the Lord God is going to take revenge and we shouldn't take revenge ourselves. In Matthew 28, 19 though, we are reminded as we have been through these talks on what we are to be doing. We are seeking to share peace as Jesus is making peace and we are to make disciples. To make disciples according to Matthew 28 verse 19 is a holistic ministry that we share the message and we help people as we share the message to them. That we help people to grow as Christians and we help each other as we grow as Christians. If any of us are victims of oppression, others of us need to stand with those people and help them to get out of that situation so they're taken away from that situation of oppression. But let's not be like Jonah. Let's not stand back and critique God's plans. Let's be led by God, just like those sailors in chapter 1, just like even the king of Nineveh who wrote a decree to his people commanding them to follow the decrees of the Lord. As we finish today, I just want to leave you with one more famous quote on gardening. And as I do this, I just want you to be thinking to yourself, am I open to let the Lord garden my heart? Am I open to him changing my um, arrogance, where I have arrogance, into compassion for others, that I may be able to seek and help others rather than just be selfish and think of myself? Well, sometimes that takes time. And God takes time to change us. And we should be working hard on ourselves too as we seek to have the Holy Spirit make us to be more like Jesus. And that should show in our actions Our fruit comes out in the fact that we will practically be helping each other and practically seeking to serve each other. And sometimes that takes time and it's captured by this last quote that I have for you today. It's by John F. Kennedy. Some of us who are older will have heard of him before. And this is what he says. The great French Marshal Latier once asked his gardener to plant a tree. The gardener objected that the tree would not reach maturity for a hundred years. The Marshal replied... In that case, there is no time to lose. Plant this afternoon. And my encouragement to all of us today is don't wait to, to work with the great garden as he gardens your heart. As you think of this whole message of Jonah, see Jonah, the selfish prophet, as a warning not to become a selfish follower of Jesus who is drag kicking and screaming into God's will. As we seek God's will, let's trust that God is good and follow our Lord Jesus as he encourages us to seek to partner with him as he changes the world because Jesus changes everything one way. Well, thank you, Stu. really appreciate you again bringing us another um, encouraging word from what you've been studying in Jonah. Um, I really like the illustration that you had of um, uh, gardening. <laughs> you used that a number of times throughout <laughs> the, the talk. Um, my first question, I suppose, should we add the uh, name of Luke Crawshaw as a such greats of gardening as Lincoln and Cicero and JFK. <laughs> oh, I do, I do think so. In, in time to come, I'm sure Lou will have a phrase that will be repeated often. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> um, I know that you talked about um, God allowing, or allowing us allowing God to garden our hearts. Why do we sometimes not allow him to actually do that, do you think? Well, I think, I think the interesting thing is that in Galatians, Paul says that we're still sinful and that we've been given a new spiritual nature from the Holy Spirit but that spiritual nature is at war with our sinful flesh. So I think the sinful flesh in us is still resisting the work of God, just like Jonah did. But what I get greatly encouraged about is in 1 Peter, uh, uh, Peter starts that letter with the statement that the Holy Spirit, in verse 2, that the Holy Spirit is 
sanctifying us to be like Christ Jesus. So the great thing is that the Holy Spirit is even more interested in our spiritual development than even we are. And he is the gardener who's gardening us. And the idea in 1 Peter is that we should work with the Holy Spirit as he is making us more like Jesus, that we shouldn't resist that, but we should work with him in that. So it's a really good thing to develop uh, a, a, pra- a practical stance in our Christianity. What, what, How are we actually putting our Christianity into practice? Are we helping those who are brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus? Are we sharing the gospel with them? Because that's just like Jonah was told by God to go and tell the Ninevites, Jesus has told us in Matthew 28 to go and tell others. But not just to tell them, but to make disciples. So that is a very relational aspect. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, when Paul reflects on his ministry amongst those in Thessalonica, he says that, didn't I preach the gospel and share my life? And so I think to make disciples is to share the gospel and to share our life with those who need to hear about Jesus. And so that can sometimes take the form of very practical support. And I think that the whole point of um, the story of Jonah is he practically runs away from God instead of practically working with God. So the the warning for us is don't be like Jonah. Mm. I think that's a really good warning. Um, I mean, Jonah talked about forestalling the purposes of God. Fiona, you're a very, very wise person and I really enjoy your input all the time. Uh, do you see us often forestalling the purposes of God? Yeah. Um, I think we can, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think sometimes it's not even as deliberate as Jonah. I think it might just be being like thoughtless about our own spiritual development. Like I think it's pretty easy in our culture where there's not a lot of persecution. I know it's been something I've really enjoyed in the last um, little while is hearing some of our school age crew at um, Sorrow Bible Church sharing a little bit about what it's like to be a, um, a Christian at school at the moment. Um, and some things resonate with me since I was at school and some things are really different. There's been changes. But, um, but the fact that they're thinking about that is so, so encouraging. But I think in our culture it's so easy to just let what we're doing um, you know, we've become a Christian. We, we've 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 sort of got our our rolling along as a Christian sort of stuff. We might be in a, in a community group. We might go along to church. We have a certain service we go to. You know, there may be some sort of service team or you know something we're involved in, and that just rolls on. Um, I remember being really encouraged, gosh, probably about five or six years ago now, by somebody who um, who was very bold and said that the normal Christian life is growth. If you're not growing, you're actually that, that's that's at, like subnormal as a Christian, I think, was the phrase that they used. It was very confronting. Um, and at the time I thought, well, that's that's out there. But, I, you know, it, it's true. Like if we're not actively seeking to grow, um, then we probably won't. <laughs> um, because I don't, I don't think, um, yeah, I, I don't think that the sort of things the Holy Spirit is doing in us just sort of happen overnight. As Stewie was saying, you know, the, the tree takes 100 years. Um, so of course God is the one doing it and he's the one who's powerful um, but if we're not thoughtful about it it's, it's, I suppose it's not going to happen What yeah. would the, the signs for you Fee to show that you're not growing like you talked about that person saying oh, it's okay. subnormal what would be like a sign for you that you don't think you are growing Yeah okay um, I think um, there are times when other Christians will have a conversation with you and say like you know how are you going with the Lord and if you find it a bit hard to answer I think that's a bit of a sign because mm. you're like, well, have I been thinking about how I'm going with the Lord? Is there anything going on here? You know, um, yeah, I think that's one sign. Uh, I suppose um, another sign would be if there's something that's come up in the past, whether it's something you've noticed yourself as a sin that you're struggling with or something that somebody else has perhaps pointed out to you as a sin you're struggling with. Um, and, you know, a hundred years. It's going to mm. be a long time. But if mm. you if you start to sort of not care about that so much anymore or, or realise that perhaps it's going a bit backwards, that could be something to be concerned about. Yeah, they're the things that spring to mind, Joel. Do you think yeah. you'd throw in on that, Stuart? Yeah, I, I think I 100% agree, Fee. And I think, I think what's interesting about Jonah is he was selfish and that was contrasted with the sailors and then the Ninevites. And right at the very end, I, I'm really interested in the fact that the Lord speaks to Jonah but he's left... Hang, we're left hanging. We mm. don't know what his final response is. So he's given another chance, a third chance, but he doesn't actually say, sorry, God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And I think the reason the writer does that is he wants to put us in that place. And we, we're meant to ask, what would I do in that place? Would I actually finally go, yes, God, you are right. I'm going to trust in your goodness, even though I really hate these people and I, I don't 
find it easy to forgive. And I don't even know what that looks like. I need you to teach me, help me to understand. Um, so the thing about Jonah that I think is he teaches us that um, that your spirituality is very practical. And mm. I think if you're not helping other people and you're not living your life for others, then I think that's a sign that you're not growing too. Mm. Uh, Romans 12, Paul says that love must be sincere, hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And earlier in verse 1, he says that... Um, that in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. So to sacrifice your life, like Christ sacrificed, literally sacrificed his life for us on the cross. He died. But we are to die to sin and die to self, and that means that we're meant to live for others. And interestingly, in Romans 12, when uh, Paul unpacks that in Romans 12, he talks about being in the body and working with other people and helping other people. And I think if we're not living our lives to help others and we're only looking after ourselves. I think that's a sign of selfishness that shows a lack of growth. Yeah. Cool. Did you have something you want to add there? Oh, I was going to try and um, find the actual reference to a verse, but I haven't got it yet, but I know what the verse says. <laughs> it's in um, one of John's letters and he, um, and he says, um, do not love with words and tongue, but in actions and in truth. Yeah, beautiful. And that's what you, I was thinking of as yeah, you were saying beautiful. that, Stewie. Hey, mm. like it's, yeah, there's no point just talking about it mm. it's actually doing it and and sometimes it's beautiful like you, you you see the people who probably wouldn't necessarily be held up as somebody who is growing as a christian or wouldn't be held up as someone who's you know like oh you know look at that christian they're somebody i should emulate but there's just all these things that that, that are going on and you're oh wow look at that look at that person and you know if you look you actually see something very very beautiful where god is god is working and you know i i you guys know me. I, I don't like people being put on a pedestal as a Christian. <laughs> I think that's really dodgy. And I, I just, you know, I love it when you see somebody who it's just about God just doing mm. that work and the Holy Spirit's just doing that work and there's no fanfare, mm. but you just see them growing. It's, mm. yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. For you. I, I could add to that too. I was thinking of all the work that Monica and Louise have done oh, for yeah. the week away. And I had a really actually a really good question yesterday from one of my friends who said oh is monica and louise really disappointed that all their work they put into week away has come to nothing and you know that was a really good point because it is frustrating for them to work really hard to pull off week away with the hours and hours they've put into it um but lou said to me when i asked her that question she said well god sees all the things that we do and i do this for the lord and i thought that was really helpful i learned from that and and that was a really cool example of being a practical Christian because she was actually contributing with the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart. She was as a sister and my wife, uh, sister in Christ. And um, that's why... <laughs> to clarify yeah, that's yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but <laughs> as a Christian, Louise was helping to garden my, my heart by just that simple question. It helped orientate me and like remind me, oh, yeah, all the things I do is not for, other, you know, for the praise of other people. Um, it's actually for God and God sees it. So, mm. yeah, I think that was a really helpful example of how practical love can be, yeah. yeah. I, I think we are super thankful for um, Mon and Louise's work in regards mm. to getting Week Away done. And sadly, we couldn't um, couldn't actually make their work happen. But um, mm. if guys, if you get a chance to talk, to talk to them about it, please make sure you pass on uh, some encouragement to them because they're feeling, uh, understandably, they'd be feeling a little bit down about it, but mm. as Lou said, they, they God, know, God sees everything that they're doing. So Yeah, and it's good for all of us to see that we, everything we do, God sees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, um, Stu, I also want to thank you for your efforts in terms of uh, preparing all these talks at such mm. short notice. Um, I've really enjoyed them, listening to them and um, bouncing back and forward around them. Um, thank you very much, Fee, for, the, for that discussion. Guys, we'll be right back with the rest of the service. Mm. commands all the hosts of heaven who else can make every king bow down who else can whisper in darkness trembles only your holy God what other beauty demands such praises what other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? 
Hey everyone, we are back and um, I'm joined by the Cronulla panel, which I have Jai McMorty, who is the pastor responsible for Sorovola at Cronulla and for you, Francesconi, again, has been joining us for the entire of this ser- entirety of this service. Um, Jai, do you want to give us an update on Cronulla? How's it been going? You've had a soft relaunch, there's lots of food going on. Tell us tell us what else you can tell us. About yeah, yeah. Um, so, we've... I've just oh, broke my broke mask. Oh, <laughs> oh. I'm going to have to... Oh, yeah, why you do going, that? Hang on. Just get it out of here. Oh. All right, you keep going. All right, I'll keep going. Uh, well, we, uh, we've relaunched down at uh, Cronulla Anglican in the hall there. Oh, thank you. I can wear two, one on each ear. Yep, very nice. Um, no, we've relaunched uh, down at Cronulla uh, at Cronulla Anglican Hall, which has been fantastic. And uh, it's been a great blessing to be down there. Uh, we've been doing some super amazing food. Uh, Stu's been kind of heading that up and we've had... Uh, we've had Greek food, we've had Lebanese food, we've had Mexican. No, not no, we, Mexican. Oh, we were going to, but we didn't. Yeah, we've mixed out on that one. We had the um, the big spit roast on oh, the first week. Oh, we had spit week. roast, yeah. Uh, what else um, have we done? Oh, Indian. How can oh, we get Indian, Indian last oh, yeah, week? We oh, been mad. my Jibicious. gosh, Jabisha's mum yeah. laid out just did, it was so good. It's really, really good. Yeah. yeah. So that was really and we've cool. we missed one, Paella, Spanish. Oh, yes, we had the paella. paella. That was the first you gotta, one. You've got to say it properly, Paella. <laughs> um, I always, yeah, I can't pronounce it, but it's, uh, it's been going really well um, and it's just been really lovely being in a place where uh, it feels more like us, it feels more homely, it's a bit different to the school, the school was great, uh, but we're a bit more visible, a bit more open um, and we've been having, it's been, it's been really awesome just having lots of people come down and, uh, and we've been talking about commitment helpers, so people have been coming down and doing that and just helping us create such an amazing vibe it kind of feels we kind of joke around about with the big curtain up there the big red curtain which is kind of kind of becoming iconic down at Cronulla uh we're almost kind of waiting for like some old punk rock band to be revealed from behind there because it's got that kind of feel so it's really kind of cool can I just show my age and say like I was thinking of Twin Peaks (laughs) 
because <laughs> there's a big red curtain in like anyway doesn't matter I don't if, think if you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about I don't about. think I've seen even seen Twin Peaks yep, yeah that's because that's that. I'm showing my age yeah, anyway. um, <laughs> something that I wanted to ask you about though yep. thank you Joy in the last few talks around Jonah mm. Uh, Stu has been talking about uh, something uh, called hesed, which is mm. what language is that? Sorry, can you is that Hebrew? It's Hebrew. Yeah, it is. Okay, Hebrew. and that means so you're supposed to probably say it like I don't want to spit on the microphone. Okay, oh, do it. Chesed. Okay, like it's, it's got the. Ch- I didn't say like, like, like loch. I'm doing it very gently chesed. so the spit chesed. doesn't come out. Yeah. Chesed. Okay. Chesed. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Apologies to anyone who likes Hebrew language. I didn't do that very well. <laughs> Neither did I, so that's all good. <laughs> but what I found out, so that means steadfast love. Steadfast love, But yeah. what I also just found out from you just before is that you have that on your wedding ring along with Saidi, your husband. Yeah, we both have it on our ring. We've got three things on our ring. We've got a, uh, a quote from Jesus where he says, no longer two but one. Iketi asin duo alamia sucks in Greek. That's written on there. Mm. And then we have chesed in the Hebrew, so it's three little Hebrew characters. And we've also got a little fish for the Christian fish, which is the Jesus Christ, God's Son, Saviour. Anyway, if you don't know about the Christian fish and where that story came from, it's a pretty cool story, so Google it. Okay. It's very cool. So we had the three little things, but that was because I was a bit of a – I was a Bible study nerd when we got married and <laughs> I was going, oh. Well, <laughs> and say, and I love you, you guys. Well, you guys know that I love things written. Like, that's really important to me. And when we were thinking about our rings, I saw, um, a, like, a, a jeweller who did, like, French things on the rings and they were all sort of – you know, romantic-y, whatever, they were a bit, you know. Anyway, they didn't, they didn't really excite me um, and it wasn't, and it made me sort of think that's not what I think about marriage. What do I think about marriage? And started doing a little bit of research and that chesed word was one that one of our lecturers at college had talked about and I started talking to Saidi about it and we're both like, yeah, like that's really cool. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. It's used in the Bible to talk about the steadfast love of God to his people and also of people to God, and then also of people to each other. So when mm. we're thinking about marriage, we're like, well, that's what it is. So, yeah, it was um, very special to us. So, Hesed, I was pretty stoked when Stewie started talking about that new seven. Yeah, that's cool. It's very cool. I'll tell you what, you put um, me to shame because I've got <laughs> two lines on my wedding ring. So, yeah, right. you're much more holy than me, Pete. Oh, well yeah, done. always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always, that's right. It is, it's very true. <laughs> Um, Joy, like just to wrap us up on Cronulla, would you mind praying for our um, guys at Cronulla and also people that are going to come to Cronulla because that would be fantastic. Yeah, mm. we'd love to. I've oh, got three crosses on mine. Yeah. Oh, see, you guys you are go. way holier so, than me. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, it's all the Bible uh, college. The, yeah, yeah, I'll let the holy people pray. Well, yeah. Yeah, how about I pray for uh, for Cronulla and for us as yeah. we finish all of our uh, digital gatherings this weekend? So let me do that. Uh, dear gracious God, we thank you as we've just been reminded uh, tonight by Fee and by Stu of uh, your steadfast love to us. Father, we pray that, um, that we would be constantly reminded of this and we would stand firm in this. Father, you rejoice in this and take comfort in your steadfast love. And Father, we pray too that we would take your love, the, the message of your love shown to us through your son Jesus, through his death and resurrection on the cross. Father, we pray that we would take it out into the communities around us at Cronulla, uh, Woolaware, Colonel, the Peninsula, Kirawi, Yarrawarra, and all around the Shire. Uh, and even out all the way out to S- uh, West Ride and around there too, Father. We pray, we just pray for, uh, for you to be going ahead of us, preparing the, the hearts and the minds of people to hear your good news. Father, we pray that you would continue to use us to grow your kingdom, not our kingdom, but your kingdom, Father, so that we may continue to praise you and honour you. And Father, we pray for uh, our gathering at Cronulla. Father, we pray that you continue to bless us and use us for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, guys, thank you very much, Joy, by the way. Well, guys, stay tuned. We're going to have a song. And then be prepared. Our very special guest is joining us again. I don't think you should let him on again. Oh, yeah, bring him on. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a savior, of the hope of nations. Savior. 
can move the mountains. My God, He's mighty to save. He's mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, feel my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God, He's mighty to save. He's mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light in, let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. And Savior. He can move the mountains. My God, He's mighty to save. He's mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes. Up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. My soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great, and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. 
dancing like never before Oh my soul, I worship your holy name And on that day when my strength is failing The end draws near and the time has come Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand reasons and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name Yay, we finished! We've done four of these podcasties <laughs> Party, cake, lollies Let's have it all Candles, woohoo And those blowy thingies can we do it now? Uh, almost, Lionel. We're almost ready to pull out the cake and the lollies and the party. But now I'm hungry <laughs> because I believe oh, you're going to die. It's very, so <laughs> it's very dramatic, very dramatic. But I believe you got some questions for us uh, on this last chapter of Jonah. Yes. When's the food? That wasn't the question that I think was sent in to you. Okay. <laughs> Well, Shani asked, she says, why did Jonah get so grumpy about the vine being removed? Was it like my iPad being taken off of me by my mummy? <laughs> well, uh, Lionel, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, yeah. He was basically throwing a bit of a tantrum. Uh, he, too much vine time. Too much vine time, not a lot. Uh, too much screen time, not enough green time. Or too much green time, not enough screen time. I'm not sure. But I like that. I'm going to tell my mum. Yeah, tell your mum that, uh, that less, less vines, more screens. I think that would be go down really well. Uh, but basically, yeah, he was throwing a bit of a tanty. Uh, he didn't get what he wanted. He really wanted God to destroy uh, the Ninevites. But God is gracious. God is merciful. And as we've seen uh, through our sessions over the last four podcasts, that God loves to forgive. And God loves to be with his people who do uh, ask for repentance. And that's exactly what happened to the Ninevites. Jonah, well, he actually wanted the Ninevites to be wiped out. He didn't want them to receive God's forgiveness. But as we've seen, God wants us to love all people. And Jonah ends with that note to remember to love all people, to share the good news with all people, uh, even those we may not particularly like or get along with. He must have loved them lots because Ted wants to know, why did he want to die all the time? <laughs> well, it's a little bit like you're exasperated. Is, is it time for the party yet? He was worn out. Uh, almost, <laughs> almost time, Lionel. It is almost time for the party. Uh, but that, yeah, Ted, that's a great question as well. Why did um, Jonah want to die? Well, yeah, again, he was just exasperated. He was exhausted. He was frustrated. He didn't get what he wanted, uh, but that's a good thing, actually, because in the book of Jonah, God is the hero. God is the one who saves his people. Uh, he is the one that saves those who willingly come to him, say sorry, and want to be part of his family. Do you think he saved me some cake? Did Jesus save you some cake? Yeah. Uh, look, I reckon that there's going to be a big banquet in heaven, so I think that's a pretty good option. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for you. <laughs> Over to you. Hi, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Lionel. This is great. I'm, you know, how could I have missed meeting Lionel and hearing about the party? It's fantastic. I've just realised I've got my mask on. Guys, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for Jonah Chapter 4. It's, um, yeah, it's really, really um, wonderful to have this chance to meet together in this slightly different way um, when we haven't had a chance to meet together at, um, at Week Away. Um, but, um, yeah, look, we've, we've got Lionel, we've had, the, we've had the vines, we've had, yeah, it's been heaps of fun um, this afternoon. And, um, yeah, I've been really um, 
blessed to be a part of it. I hope you felt blessed as well. And um, I think uh, Joel's going to wrap us up. Thank you. Yes, I am. I had to swap my face mask for the last time. <laughs> There's a few people we need to thank. Thank you very much for you guys for joining us on these uh, digital gatherings we've done for all four times this weekend. It's been very exciting. Thank you very much to Fee and Jai and Tim and Stu and all the other people that joined us this weekend. Um, I really enjoyed getting stuck into Jonah and really understanding it. So we're really thankful for how much Stu put in his time into doing that. Um, also, I want to thank the guys that have been behind the camera. Uh, that would be Ethan and Braden just got a kiss from him, so that's very much appreciated. Um, and Jai, who set this set up, as you can see behind us, um, and Ethan with all the editing, and Braden on the camera and the sound, it's been fantastic. Um, we've had a really great time. Now, guys, it doesn't end there because we are going to have the live stream straight after this service, which means we're going to do something really exciting. We were meant to do Christmas, and Ju Christmas in July at Week Away. And as you know, Week Away has been cancelled. But what we're going to do is a Christmas movie watch party. Now, before you ask me, how do we do that? Well, don't worry. In the live stream, we'll tell you everything that needs to happen, everything that needs to be done, how to install it, all that kind of stuff. And then we can get involved and start watching the Christmas movie, which I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret which one it is. Shh. Anyway, we're going to finish up, say thank you very much to everyone. We're going to... Thank you. Thank you, Lionel. Oh, not anymore now that you've done that. Oh, thank you so much. Have you been working out? It's, yes, I have actually. It's been, it's been wonderful having you here this weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you for your wonderful eyes and large mouth and, and orange or green fur. We're not sure which one. Green. Green. Okay, it's very green. We really appreciate it. And just before we finish, please. Oh. Thank you, thank you very much. And Ladies guys, and gentlemen, you saw it here. Thank live. you very much. And remember, remember, <laughs> one way, guys. <laughs> <laughs>